You're listening to Passions and Prologues, a literary podcast where each week I'll interview a new author about a thing they love and how it inspires their work. My name is Adam Sokol. The format of this podcast is going to be just a little bit different than any other literary podcast you've ever listened to, I promise. Uh, We're going to take a deep dive into these authors' lives in a way that is going to be centered around something that they are passionate about. It could be the Twilight Zone or collecting or hockey or, in today's example, weightlifting. Before we get into any of our interviews, I'm always going to talk to you just a little bit about something that I have enjoyed lately. Usually it's going to be a book, uh, and then we'll get into any potential feedback we've gotten from our listeners. This is a brand new podcast, so of course I'm going to do the thing where I ask you to leave us some ratings and reviews, whether that's on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. But I'm going to make it a little bit special by saying, if you leave me a rating or review, just screenshot it and then email me at passionsandprologues at gmail.com and I'll send you a book recommendation as a thank you. Really appreciate you being patient with me as I get back into the swing of things here, but I have been doing lots and lots of interviews with authors that I love for these first several weeks of the podcast, so I think you're going to be excited as well. Before I get into our interview, and there's no spoiler alerts, it's Mallory O'Meara. You'll have seen that in the name of this particular episode. But first, I want to talk to you about a book that I really, really loved. And the thing that I can't stop thinking about is Hannah Gadsby's 10 Steps to Nanette. Uh, Hannah Gadsby is a stand-up comedian from Australia. And if you are familiar with stand-up comedy at all, you have likely heard of their special Nanette it is a very, very I mean, anti-comedy, I guess would be a good way of putting it. Basically, Hannah Gadsby sets up this comedy special where the first half of it is all these incredible jokes. And then they transition into all of the trauma that they have experienced. Uh, trigger warning, big, big trigger warnings for sexual assault, sexual abuse, all sorts of different things. But they create a comforting space with these jokes and these different stories that they tell at the beginning to get the audience to trust them before putting them in an extremely uncomfortable position to experience a form of the trauma that they experienced throughout their lives. So 10 Steps to Nanette is a memoir that Hannah Gadsby has written all about their life and how they got to this particular special. It is just an absolute powerhouse of a book. I highly recommend borrowing or downloading or purchasing the audiobook version. Hannah Gadsby has a delightful accent and a wonderful way of reading. And that is just something that I think you'll really, really enjoy if you are a fan of the audiobook medium, which I am. Like I said, normally right here is where I will listen, I will uh, read off some, some reviews and feedback and emails that we get from our listeners. But as this is our first episode, we're not going to have any of those. So what I'm going to do instead tell you all about my very first guest, Mallory O'Meara. Mallory is the host of the Reading Glasses podcast. She's the best-selling author of Girly Drinks and Lady from the Black Lagoon. Uh, Reading Glasses is one of the best podcasts out there, and the way that she writes about women's history is both educational and hilarious, and Mallory is just one of my closest buddies in the literary world, and so when I was launching this podcast, I immediately sent her a text message and said, I need you to be my first guest. And because Mallory is delightful, she of course said yes. We're not going to talk about 
girly drinks or cocktails or the book world all too much. What we're talking about today is her love of powerlifting. So I'm not going to spoil anything as to why Mallory loves powerlifting, how she got into it. That's going to be all in just a moment or two. But I hope that this first episode really helps set the groundwork for what you can expect from this podcast, a conversation with someone that you might know about a thing that you might not be expecting. So I'm not going to keep you around any longer. You have let me talk for several minutes in this introduction, kind of explaining the format. Let's get right to it. I am delighted to say that I hope you enjoy this episode of Passions and Prologues with Mallory O'Meara. All right, Mallory, what is the thing you're super passionate about that we're talking about today? Powerlifting. You might be my strong, my strongest author friend. Um, <laughs> well, I, I will say I am very strong, but you should also be friends with my friend Madeline Rue, who is also an author and a powerlifter, and she is super jacked. <laughs> I think I like got to talk to her because of you or someone I remember talking about. Like, I was like, this is going to sound weird, Madeline, but I've watched you like in your powerlifting videos, and I'm like a fan from afar, but... When did you get introduced to powerlifting? Like, how did you discover that you loved this? So for years and years, my exercise took the form of running. When I lived, I lived in Brooklyn, oh God, seven years ago, six years ago. Brooklyn is a great place to be a runner. I used to run in Prospect Park, you know, three or four times a week, but I hated running. I know you were a runner and I, it feels terrible to admit to you, but okay. it, running was never like, I never was like, woohoo, can't wait to go for a run. So afterwards I'd be like, oh wow, I feel like I just went through a meat grinder and that was great. <laughs> but and every once in a while, like I very specifically remember like the, t- the first run where I like hit my stride mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, I don't feel like dying right now. This is great. But I never like loved, I was never passionate. I never like got into running. And then I moved to LA, which is not as great of a running city because it's hotter. And the, especially depending on which neighborhood you live in, like there's just no huge parks like there are in New York with good running paths. So I started weightlifting because I was dating somebody who had a ton of weights at our loft and like had, we had a bunch of space and he was like, oh, well, if you don't like to run, why don't you just start lifting weights? And I had like been to gyms and lifted weights before but it never really did anything to excite me. I was, it just always, exercise always felt like punishment. It always felt like, or like just something I had to do so that, you know, I don't turn into, you know, a pile of, of useless jelly. So I'm, I started weightlifting and I was like, this is really fun. Like it was the first time I had start, like got, got really into it. I had gone to gyms before, but I have trigger warnings for folks. Like I, I have had eating disorders and a lot of disordered eating. And I just always had a really complicated relationship with my body. And so I never liked weightlifting at gyms because, you know, you're just like looking at yourself in the mirror the whole time. And like, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't have a lot of guidance. Mm -hmm. So I, when I get into something, I only have two modes of things. I'm either completely neutral or I'm obsessed. You know, I only, there's only two ways of being for me. I was very neutral to weightlifting before because I didn't have anyone to show me what to do. And it was just sort of me punishing myself so I can try to achieve, you know, this American female ideal of thinness, which is a big bunch of bullshit. But when I started uh, lifting weights at my ex's apartment and he was guiding me and showing me and like having me start to take supplements, I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. And I started to see my, instead of just trying to work out to lose weight, I had stopped weighing myself by that point for years. And I only started to measure my progress and how much weight I could lift. Mm-hmm. And I started to, I was like, wait a minute, this is, 
fucking cool. Yeah. And I got really into it. And then we broke up and I moved to a different place, a different neighborhood in, in Los Angeles. Uh, I made a friend who's still my friend. She was my neighbor at this apartment complex. And I, I knew there was a gym in the, in the neighborhood, um, but I was kind of nervous to start going to another gym again and being around strangers and mirrors and shit. Mm-hmm. But her and I immediately became friends and she was a work, she is a workout freak. You know, her name is Maya. She works with the Lincoln Project. She's got abs, you know, she's just like a queen. <laughs> and I was like, I want to work out with you. She's like, all right, I go to this gym in the neighborhood. Let's start going together. And what really started to get me falling in love with it is that I had this friend to go. Mm-hmm. And I, you, we, you and I both know it just drastically changes your relationship with something when you have a community. Yes. So all of a sudden, first I had this friend that I worked out with and we had so much fun. And then her and I are very, are both super ambitious overachieving types. And we would get up at four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. She would meditate. I would make coffee. And then we would get to the gym when it opened at 5 a.m. before dawn. And when you get to the gym at 5 a.m. in the morning, <laughs> there's only a few other people who are that much of a lunatic with you. So mm-hmm. we saw the same people every day. We ended up becoming friends because, you know, I'm a very friendly person. Yes. And within a, about a month, we had this friend group of people that we all were there at 5 a.m. We would all cheer each other on. We would all lift together. We would do the crossword puzzle with each other every day, too. So, like, in between sets, we'd, like, run over to the front desk and, like, try to fill in the, the crossword <laughs> puzzle. It was just, like, so much fun. And I never realized how much working out could be fun. Mm-hmm. And then there was one guy there, a guy named Rocky, and and my friend, now friend, okay woman named Kristen and Kristen is a power lifter and I saw her power lifting and I was like because I at that point I was just doing like curls and shit like that I was just mm-hmm. regular weightlifting and I saw her power lifting and it was like oh my god yeah this just looks so cool it looks so <laughs> you like she just looks so powerful she looks so awesome and she looked like she was having so much fun and I immediately was like can you show me how to do this yeah so her and and Rocky also power lifts Rocky's a also a friend of ours and he's just totally ripped and he used to be a coach so he was like yeah I'll, I'll teach you how to do this so he taught me how to do the three main lifts of power lifting which is benching squatting and deadlifting mm-hmm. i just immediately fell in love and power lifting just it, it just changed absolutely everything in my life it changed my just changed so many things but that's how i fell into it with friends and crossword puzzles and it just <laughs> looked it just looks fun yeah no i i know what you mean it's also i'm laughing throughout this because like i know we've been friends for a while now but i'm just like every time we talk i'm like wow we're such similar human beings because you're absolutely <laughs> right like i either don't care about something like really at all or i deeply deeply care about it and yes that's why yeah, we are friends that's why we were friends and like actually right so for me what I started lifting when I was in like seventh grade because I was a athlete in high school, in high school and college. And throughout like the end of college, I was always told what to lift by coaches. And like for a while, I really mm-hmm. liked it. And I really liked like the concept of like looking at a big heavy thing and being like I can lift that up like that was like my stupid oh yeah it's it's such a loser brain shit you're just like it makes you feel cool (laughs) well yeah exactly it's like a like it's an absolute caveman bullshit where you're just like I can lift that heavy thing and now admittedly so I I do go to the gym still several times a week but like you said I'm I'm a runner I'm a distance runner and now my stupid caveman thing is I can run that far like it just doesn't matter that's just how my like boil it down to being able to do that but like you you mentioned stopping looking at scales and I am really similar to you and like anybody looking at me from the outside looking in my entire life would be like that is an in-shape person he Uh works out he's an athlete and all these things 
I don't see any of that in myself. I never have. I have body dysmorphia. I feel like garbage all the time if I'm at the gym. And like you said, I see these like absolutely shredded people. I'm like, hi, I want those bodies because that's just what I've Because it's just a different body than yours. It's just a different body than mine. Exactly. But like you're the same thing. Like a few years ago, I just stopped looking at scales. And like he's like, I run marathons. Like I'm a distance runner. And I still am like, I don't want to know what I weigh for any of this. But the thing that the reason I fell in love with running is the same reason I think, like you said, you fell in love with lifting is I have a running group that is like my brother-in-law and my dad and my brother. And then all these guys, like there's like, I mean, like 20 of us and we're a part of the larger Cleveland running community. We're like, we'll get together. And there'll be like literally hundreds of people that we have organized to do these runs together. And there's just something about that community of people doing this all together. But the the people in like almost a hundred percent of every runner I've ever met is just so welcoming and so just wanting to see how well you're doing for you. And it's just, I will admit that a lot of people think, I feel like running is, can be compared to writing where it's like people love having run more than they love running. Yes. Like <laughs> oh my God. That's such a great analogy. Yeah. Like people love having written as opposed to writing. I always say to people, like the reason I run really far is because I, there's no cheating it. Y- yes. You know, and people, you're actually going to be. Either you do it or you don't. Right. Exactly. Like I, People will hear in the future episodes of this, like, I am beginning querying a novel and that's, I, I did the hard thing. Like, I was like, there's no getting around writing 130,000 words. Like, there's no getting around running uh-huh. 20 miles. You have to go fucking do it. And that's the same thing with, with lifting. But what do you get out of lifting that has kept you going back day in and day out? Oh, my God. So many things. First off, again, like I said, it totally transformed a lot of things in my life and it really transformed my relationship to my body. Mm-hmm. Trigger warnings for things. I've just really struggled with a lot of body stuff my my whole life. And I I was never an athlete. And anytime I was moving my body, it, it was it was for punishment or, you know, quote unquote earning my food or all, all that yeah. fucking toxic bullshit. It never really occurred to me that you could have fun with that stuff. Because mm-hmm. for a while I was like, okay why am I enjoying this so much? You know, am I feeling more powerful sort of, but that does feel like a little ableist, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. what, what am I really doing? Doing, And I realized that it's nothing more complicated than having fun. Yeah. It's the first time I ever had fun with myself physically and that fun and enjoyment made me want to work out. And all of a sudden, like we were just saying, I stopped, I had stopped looking at the scale and mm-hmm. I started measuring my progress with how much I could lift, how much fun I was having, what I was doing. And one of the cool things about powerlifting for me personally was like, you know, up until that point, I always thought of like food as I, I would have to earn it. You know, I had mm-hmm. to eat as little as possible. Like I really felt good when I was eating as little as possible, but mm-hmm. you can't do that when you're an athlete, you right. literally need to fuel yourself. So all of a sudden I went from like trying to eat as little as possible to, I have to, I have nowadays, I try to take in like between hundred and 120 grams of protein a day. Yeah. And I had to like, it was the first time where I had to eat a ton and mm-hmm. it made like, so it completely changed my relationship with food. It changed my w- relationship with the way that I look at my body mm-hmm. it was very interesting because my body started getting bigger but I felt better yeah because I was like I made this you know so much of weight loss and disordered eating and all that stuff is about is you're trying to feel in control because you don't feel in control over your body mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I was in control but in a good positive way like I made this stuff it's so great to be able to look at your body and be like hey look at this book and bicep I made that shit yeah you know I and I if I want to have more of it I have to eat more and I have to work more so it changed the way that I look at myself I mean I'm so much more confident now than I was mm-hmm. before change 
changed the way that I ate and, and had my relationship with food, changed my relationship with exercise and fun. All, and also something that I think is really, really important. And I don't think you necessarily have to do running or powerlifting to get this, but it, something that you very much understand, one, you're one of the few friends I have who does understand it, is that when you are an author or a book podcaster or you work in this industry at all, the thing that you love to do to relax is also your work. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I am an author. I am a filmmaker. I am a book podcaster. So a lot of the things that I typically would enjoy to to relax, whether that's watching a movie or listening to or reading a book or listening to a podcast, whatever it is, like almost all media and entertainment that I can take in for fun is also part of my job. And I mm-hmm. and there's like so that like little work part of my brain never really shuts off except for when I'm lifting. Yeah, because it has oh. nothing to do with anything that I do for work. Uh, oh, my God. It's ins- literally the exact same. Like I <laughs> People sell time because like anyone who knows me knows that like in addition to being a gigantic book nerd, like I am a huge audiobook person. Like I listen to so many audiobooks. And so people assume they're like, oh, well, you're running for like an hour and a half. Are you, I assume you're listening to audiobooks, right? And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, no, I, I need to let my brain completely either shut off or like you said, and it's not even like I it's not to say like it's like a treat for me, but like. I, it's almost like I know when I go run, I'm going to listen to an hour's worth of podcast. Like I'm going to listen to you and Bria and I'm going to listen to Aww. like Jordan, Jesse go. <laughs> That's my running zone out. Exactly what you said. Like I know that for that hour, hour and a half, 45 minutes, however long I'm running, or like you said, go, I'm, if I'm going to the gym, like I am going to listen to these podcasts that to me are, they're just cozy. It's like putting on a comfortable sweater um, which you don't want to do when you're running, but, <laughs> but like it's like that that moment. And again, like you said, I'm not saying it in my like to me in my mind. It's not like ooh, it's a treat. I'm running, so I deserve this podcast. It's more so just like ooh, this is my podcast time, and I'm also going to be running. Like I have to be absolutely just gobsmacked by a book to want to continue listening to it when I'm running. Oh yeah, I, I'm just going to zone out. I totally, I totally right. get it. Because my right now we moved uh, my boyfriend and I moved up to away from Los Angeles. We moved up to the mountains a little over a year ago. I had to leave my gym of all the things we left behind in Los Angeles. The thing that was hardest for me was my gym. Like I literally packed up my gym shit and cried. Jeremy walked into our walk-in closet and I was holding my weight belt, packing it away, crying because, yeah. and I still like every day I miss my gym, my gym friends. Mm-hmm. And when we, we moved up here because uh, I, you know, I didn't powerlift for first year and a half, maybe more of the pandemic, because we were just all, you know, I was stuck in my in my apartment. And there's a gym up here, but it's a little right wingy. And I was like, mm, yeah. I don't know, I don't want to get involved with that. So finally, what I did was I built a garage or built a gym in our garage. Poor Jeremy was like, oh, can't wait to park our car in the garage. And I was like, about that. So now the garage, but now the garage is like the Mallory zone. I have big tapestries on the walls. Like it's totally, it's almost on the, Jeremy's, my boyfriend has still stored some stuff in there, mm-hmm. which I don't think we need to store in there. I wish I had more space where it's a, that's a constant push pull, yeah. but it's my spot. And I know that like, and one of the good things is I don't get service up there. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it's about, I don't know, a hundred feet from our house and we live a, like on top of a mountain. Yeah. So when we're away from the Wi-Fi, like I can't get texts, I can't get calls. I can't check my email. I can't check social media. The only thing I can do is listen to my music and lift. And it is yeah. like my oasis. You know, mm-hmm. I can't think. And that's something that's really great about when you're working out is that I physically, like I can't, when I'm picking up almost 300 pounds, I'm, can't, I can't think about work. I have right. to be totally in my body. I have to be totally focused on my form and all the things that I'm doing. And for someone who is a 
anxious mess who works all the time, who has multiple jobs and is like writing and making podcasts and trying to do other stuff. It is the biggest relief. And I think that every writer needs something that is totally outside the stuff that you do. Mm-hmm. It's because it also, you know, when I started getting involved in powerlifting, it felt really good to be involved with something that I like. I'm just purely a fan of it. You know, I am not a professional. I'm purely an amateur. You know, I love watching my favorite lifters and watching lifting competitions and getting and just like I get so into it. And it feels so nice to just have one area of my life. Hockey's another one. Uh, but powerlifting really is the big one for me is that just one area of my life where I don't have to like worry about my professional image and I don't have to worry like I just don't have to have be in that mindset you know because when I I don't even I always have to be careful when I talk about books online or talk about books with people because Mm -hmm. I know that there are eyes on me and you know which is awesome and I love recommending books but it definitely it when you start to become in the public eye as an author a writer a book podcast or whatever it is it really fundamentally changes the way that you interact with those things Mm -hmm. in public and it's so great to have an area of my life where I don't have to think about that and I can just be like hey look at me pick up this heavy thing and like I don't (laughs) have to wear about how people are gonna like if people are gonna you know take that book recommendation or get mad about that book Mm -hmm. recommendation and it just feels like i guess oasis really is the the best word for it just this little oasis in my life yeah no i honestly i feel the exact same about running because i've told someone recently like as much as my like my life goal i've actually i think i've jokingly told you in the past like (laughs) you and jeremy have the the life that i want to leave (laughs) a cabin in the woods writing books and working out like but i I mean i know you're a million other things but like the one of the reasons i love running so much is because i am out whether it's on you know the streets around my house or in the trails in the metro parks here in cleveland whatever wherever i am I am not Adam Sokol, the person that works for this tech company and creating content. I'm not a son or a brother or a friend. I'm to me, I can, it's almost like the Game of Thrones thing. Like I'm no one. Like I get to be no one for an hour and I can just like no one's noticing me unless it's one of those days where it's super hot and I'm not wearing a shirt. I'm sure there's some hey. yeah. more so being like, like I should be wearing a shirt, like more one of those. But like, other than that, like I can just be another person that you happen to glance by as you're driving by and be like, Oh, that person's running. And like, no one knows who I am. Like to me, that is my favorite thing. No one, even if anyone does quote unquote need me, they can't get it. Like you said, they can't get a hold of me. Like no one can bother me when I'm doing that thing. Yes. Well, even just having, you know, especially now, you know, we're, we're all so connected via smartphone, social media, texts, emails, Mm -hmm. like there's always a way to get, so for someone to to get in touch with you, there's always something to do on a screen. And it sounds very old person-y to be like, screens, but it really is, especially, you know, we've been in this pandemic for two and a half years now. Mm -hmm. So much of all we've had are screens, you know, seeing friends on Zoom, watching things for entertainment entertainment, doing your work via Zoom, that it feels so good to like step outside. Mm-hmm. You know, I now that the weather is nicer when I lift, I leave the garage door open, I get the breeze, I get to see, like my view when I deadlift is just like, tree, like a slope of trees. And it like, <laughs> it's so it really does feel so amazing and relaxing and centering i get you know all these like woo woo words but it's really true listen i remember 
I think it was like the first week you guys moved in there. You sent me a picture. It was either a sunrise <laughs> or a sunset. Yeah. You're like, Adam, this is out of our bedroom window. And I was like, oh my God, she's just so, she's living a Walden lifestyle. You're out there powerlifting like you're living at Walden Lake. I was like, oh my God, this is. If so Walden cool. was jacked, that's me. Mallory David Thoreau. How would you say that powerlifting has had an effect on your work? Like, do you think there's a through line there? And if so, what what would it be? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think this age that we live in, you know, it's so easy to be a workaholic, mm-hmm. you know, especially, you know, most of us are home and work from home. There's no division, but there's no work-life balance, no. you know, you know, you start working from the second you wake up, you know, mm-hmm. and I, there are people I know who are really good about like, I'm only going to answer emails when I'm at my desk. Well, God, I wish I could be that kind of person, yeah. but I'm not because it, everything is so mixed. You know, my personal email is my work email. So I mm-hmm. wake up and I check my email and it's just like, it feels like I'm always working, always thinking about work. Yeah. So having, it was really hard hard to do that in the pandemic because I couldn't power lift. I brought, I bought a, a squat bar, mm-hmm. but I couldn't, you know, I can't load up my apartment with plates. I couldn't fit, we, I couldn't fit a squat rack in my one bedroom apartment <laughs> that I shared with my boyfriend who also works from home, Yeah, you know, and I did my best, but it's just not the, not the same. Yeah. So for the, you know, the first year of the pandemic, I, I, I wrote my second book, Girly Drinks, totally in lockdown. It was hard. It was the hardest thing I've ever done creatively and now getting that break every day because you know I can only write for I don't know three to four hours at a time without hitting a wall but for so long I really tried to push through that because you know there is no work-life balance there's nothing feels like there's nothing else to do you know when you're constantly you're not refilling that cup it gets harder and harder to do every day and I felt really burnt out after 2020 and Getting to power because I power I, I power lift five times a week, one to two hours a day. Having that break where I'm moving myself physically, which is really great for my anxiety, mm-hmm. and not thinking about work and being really present. I am not a present person. I'm the least mindful motherfucker on earth. Okay. <laughs> I am so anxious and I'm always like, I just can't, I can't meditate. My, even my therapist has given up on trying to get me to meditate because I just can't do it. I'm so, I'm always thinking about 5 million things unless I'm lifting. Mm-hmm. So getting that break and like listening to my extremely loud dad metal and like chugging a protein shake and lifting things and just like having that that time every day or at least five times a week it makes me feel like I it makes me feel more refreshed when I work it makes me sleep better which makes me work better Mm -hmm. it's just you know it's so easy to forget that we have to have a holistic approach to our lives and everything is everything is connected everything affects each other so you know I see all the time people are like oh I'm a really bad insomniac and then a few hours later they're like just had my fifth coffee of the day and I'm like are you not seeing that all this stuff is connected you know and it's hard you know when we're just there's no feels like there's no boundaries between anything and I really feel like powerlifting has made me a better writer it has Mm -hmm. made me healthier in so many ways both mentally and physically it just really has had like nothing but the only negative part of powerlifting for me is that now I spend a lot of money on protein (laughs) but that's the like everything else has just been such a positive impact yeah 
protein powder is not cheap, you know, especially no. if you like good, like healthy for you protein powder. Yeah. It's... Yes. Oh my God. I buy so much protein powder. <laughs> but you're absolutely right about like the, the making time for it. So my brother works for the same company that I work for now, which also was true when I worked for Overdrive, which is hilarious. Oh my God. But, that's adorable. Yeah. And he, speaking of runners, my brother is on day like 650 straight of running, which, hey guys, spoiler alert, that's not a healthy lifestyle. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to take breaks and he freely uh-huh. admits it. But he's he is really good at doing the like active break thing where like he'll run like two miles one day really slowly, but he wants to keep his streak. But just for anyone listening, uh, who hears me say that I am fully aware that is not a healthy way to be a runner. I do not run that way. I take breaks. But this is all to say, I remember there was like one day when I first started this new company and I was already burning myself out with how long I was working my hours. And I went, I sent him a message using our like inner office instant messenger and he didn't respond. And he got back to me like an hour and a half later. He's like, oh, sorry, I was out for a run. And I was like, it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. He's like, yeah, man, you, I know for a fact you're you're working before nine and you're going to be working past five. You have to make time for yourself. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know why at 36, I needed to hear that, but it had, it helped me. Cause like, I, I do the same thing now. Like when we get done recording this, we're recording in the afternoon, I'm going to go for a run and I'm going to step away and no instant message or email needs to be answered. It's nothing is dire that needs to be solved instantaneously. Like I can take that time away for me. And you're absolutely right. Like, I'll be more productive once I come back. I, I won't feel like I'm totally drained because I'll have refreshed my mind and my body and all that good stuff. It feels so counterintuitive, though, because you're in your brain, you're like, must not stop, must push through, must make, must do more things, must produce more things. But you can do better and you can be more productive when you take those breaks. It's so it's it seems like it, it seems fake. Sounds fake. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's so true. Do you think you would ever write a book of any kind about powerlifting? Am I like stepping onto something you might be working on that you're not allowed to talk about? Yes and no. (laughs) And it's so funny because we spend so much time about being like, oh, this is so great that we're not talking about work. But of course, like... I, I'm a nonfiction author. I'm a historian. And whenever I get into anything, like I want to learn the history of it. Like that's my jam. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I would abs. I've actually, there's some, there's a, I, I put together a pitch for a book about just general women's weightlifting that my, my editor was like, this could be something, but I'm, I have so many other books like in the pipeline before that. Um, but I, I mean, I would love to just because I want to know those things. Like I love Nothing makes me happier than women lifting weights. It's all I want to do. I want to watch women pick up heavy things. I want to look at women pick up picking up heavy things. Like I just love women's weightlifting, whether that's strongman stuff or because there's there's so many different types of lifting. You know, there's there's weightlifting, there's powerlifting, there's Olympic lifting, there's strongman stuff, and then there's bodybuilding. There's a lot of differences. There's a lot of different types, and they're all very different from each other. But I love watching them all. Yeah, I would love to write the history of women in weightlifting. I would love to write about about several female um there's a bodybuilder that i really admire that i'd love to write about there's a just a regular power lifter i'd really love to write about but again there's i have uh i'm working on one my new book right now and i have at least one to two other books in the in the pipeline before i could get to it so yes and no <laughs> yeah you might be the busiest person I, the, you like you and zarada cordova might be the two busiest human beings i've ever I, seen zarada kicks my ass up and down the street i don't know how she does it i'm asking every author i talk to like 
what they're currently working on or you, that you want to promote that you can talk about? Obviously, we can talk about girly drinks, but do you have uh-huh. stuff that you're allowed to talk about right now that's like coming out in the nearest future or should we stick with girly drinks? Oh, no, no. I So I have my my third book is coming out, I think, either in January or in February mm-hmm. next year, which sounds really far away, but isn't in book talk. Nope. It's, it's called Girls Make Movies. It's my first children's book. Mm-hmm. Yes, I managed to write a whole book without swearing. I'm really <laughs> proud of myself. It's very difficult to do. And I'm doing it with my friend Jen Vaughn. So I'm writing it. She's illustrating it. It's called, it's girl, called Girls Make Movies. And it's we believe the world's first choose your own adventure styled nonfiction book. That's wait, here's the most important question. Are there footnotes? No. Oh, well, they're not footnotes, but there are, we're calling them sidebars. So they're like pulled like little fun facts and, and, and little observations and stuff, but they're pulled out of the text and in like little illustrated yeah. cool boxes. So it's kind of like footnotes, but you know, it is a middle. It is for children. So yeah, like, we had to we had to change the format up a little bit. Listen, I I can't imagine a world you being the first person to be on this podcast and having our history of being on each other's podcasts in the past. I can't imagine a world where anyone listening to this doesn't know what we're talking about. But for people who don't know, Mallory's first two books have just the best footnotes in the entire world, <laughs> and they're so funny. Uh, Lady from the Black Lagoon and Girly Drinks, they're both just so freaking, inc- like anytime, normally I will admit, normally when I'm reading a book and I see footnotes, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have to remember where I was in the page to read this footnote or I'm going to have to wait. To, and like, and, but yours, every time I turn a page in your books and I see a footnote, I get excited. So I had to ask. Thank you. Yeah, I, it's, it's just kind of how I write. So I really wanted, we were trying to figure out how to format them, but they are in there. So that's, it's not up for pre-order yet, but the preliminary illustrations are done. They look incredible. Basically, it follow, it, it teaches girls how to make movies and it's through the creation of a a fake like a fictional non-existent movie called Sasha versus zombies about a teenage makeup artist her friends who disguise themselves as zombies to escape from a, a zombie horde that is attacking their small town but as you go through each step of how to make the movie you get to meet every single crew member on the mo- on the film and she tells you and basically it's like okay well here's here's what this person does here's how they got there here's what they love about their job here's some famous ones from history and cool movies that they worked on so it teaches young girls how to make movies, teaches them about the history of women in film and the way that you make you go through the book is like, OK, well, do you want your zombies to be practical effects? Flip to this page and then you meet, you know, the special effects workshop folks or you want them to be CGI. You flip to this other page and you meet the VFX shop folks there's several different paths through the book one of them you will fail and you'll have to go back (laughs) but uh, the the goal is to end up to finish the to make your film and end up at the premiere at the very end it's so much fun the art jen knocked the the doors off the art it's uh, it's so so cool it's so so fun so that is coming out Again, in either January or February, we'd have, it's not up for pre-order yet. Um, and then I am working on my fourth book as well, uh, which is my going to be my third adult nonfiction with my same editor, my same publisher. I can't, my editor, Peter, specifically doesn't want me to tell people who it is. I can tell you after we stop recording. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, sorry, <laughs> sorry, everyone else. I'm going to go ahead and take that information privately. <laughs> uh, but it is another biography about a forgotten very important woman in Hollywood during a different time period than Lady from the Black Lagoon and I am so excited about it it's so much fun I'm really excited to return to the world of Hollywood history I'm having a blast with it and that will be out maybe beginning of 2024 Mm -hmm. 
I have no idea. <laughs> I listen. The uh, this podcast are an audio medium, so people can't see. But while you're talking about your children's book, the shit eating grin I just had on my face <laughs> sounds so delightful. Oh my god! Oh, it was so fun. I'm so excited. All right, so I am ending these conversations by asking everybody for any type of recommendation that you want to give. It can be a book, but I know you spend all day doing that. It can be a TV show. It can be. This is going to air in like June, so I mean, it can be a sporting event then if you want it could be your favorite protein anything that you want to recommend i mean you know i will i'm always down for book recommendations but i will swish it up um and recommend the protein powder that i use (laughs) well it's all it's my protein my creatine and my my pre-workout drink uh it is this company called buff chick so that's b-u-f-f chick and it's all like female owned and operated it's not like meant specifically for any type of body you could anyone like male female non-binary genderless vote like doesn't matter who you are there's nothing like specifically for certain types of lifters in it it's just really good protein powder Mm -hmm. and it tastes really good which we both know is can be something that's hard to find (laughs) in protein powder they just i i use them for everything Mm -hmm. so if you are someone who's looking to get into weightlifting protein is so important you know what's almost what you put in your body is almost as important as how hard you work So if you're, you know, one of the early mistakes I made when I first started lifting before I started powerlifting was I wasn't eating enough protein. You know, I was still not eating that much. And I was like, why am I not getting buff? <laughs> well, so you got to eat a bunch of proteins. I highly recommend uh, getting a protein powder, trying to figure out there's a, there's a formula. Look up online for your specific body, how much protein you want to you need to eat per day to put on muscle again i'm i try to i try to hit like 100 110 120 but if you're looking for a great brand i know it's very overwhelming and so many of them are kind of scary they're like extreme protein and yeah. you're like okay let's pump the brakes let's calm down here yeah why do doritos and protein have the same yeah. market? <laughs> i know everyone just needs to calm down a little bit yeah. so you know it can be really overwhelming and the one that i use and i love and i recommend is buff chick supplements that's awesome all right i'm gonna make you do one book recommendation too oh my god okay cool adam have you read the book of the most precious substance yet no you've told me to though i it's oh not my god. I I adam. so i i keep pitching it to people as if the movie the ninth gate was good yeah and it's such a ugh, that makes me it is so like i haven't yet rare books magical books book detectives book sex magic and like a little bit of spooky stuff. Yeah. It is so good. It's one of my favorite books of the year. It just came out in February. It's by Sarah Gran. And oh my God, I love it so much. That's So that's Book of the Most Precious Substance by Sarah Gran. To tell everyone how much Mallory loves this, you read a, you read a copy of it before it came out. And like before mm-hmm. the book came out, you texted me. <laughs> and like, this is an Adam book and I haven't read it yet. And I, it, you'll love it. You'll love it. I am so excited. <laughs> I'm so disappointed in myself, but I will say. For well, you, you have the whole, you have the, literally the rest of your life. It's fine. We, I know, but I should have read it by now. And just, I, I normally will do this at the beginning of the show, but anyone listening, seriously, uh, listen to Hannah Gadsby's memoir, 10 Steps to Nanette. It's just so good. I just highly recommend it. I also have that on my TBR. So, <sighs> so like, like I said, the audio, you have to listen to the audiobook. Their voice is just so soothing and delightful. All right, Mallory, you, when I, I told you about the idea of this podcast like months before it existed. Mm-hmm. And when it finally started to exist, you were the first person I texted to come on and you immediately mm-hmm. said yes. So of I, course, I, always. I, just, uh, I super appreciate it. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for letting me talk about powerlifting for like half an hour straight. That's all I want to do. Yeah. <laughs>
Passions and Prologues is proud to be an evergreen podcast and was created by Adam Sokol. It was produced by Adam Sokol and Sean Rule Hoffman. And if you are interested in this podcast and any other evergreen podcast, you can go to evergreenpodcast.com to discover all the different stories we have to tell. Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food, so come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.